Hello and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp. I'm with Ben Golliver here at Vegas Summer League. We got Chris Haynes from ESPN sitting with us at the Thomas and Mack Center. What's going on? Not too much, Andrew. We are in a little glass box, VIP style, because we're rolling with Chris Haynes. Now, Chris is a guy who I first met up in the Upper Deck Bleachers media section at what used to be called the Rose Gardens, now the Moda Center. Uh, I don't even remember all your stops, but your first big break was CSNNW, Blazers Insider. You took that, you parlayed that to Cleveland.com, covering the Cavaliers, LeBron James return title. Then you parlayed that to Golden State Warriors coverage. And just kind of all-around NBA newsbreaker, right? So thanks for joining us. We want to dig into all sorts of stuff. Unfortunately, that brings us to Gordon Hayward. <laughs> yeah. How was your 4th of July, Chris? <laughs> this is a casual barbecue? It was, uh... It, has, it, has, it had its peaks and its valleys. No I, kidding. I'll just, I'll just say that. Uh, well, let, let's set the stakes first because Hayward, going back months, I mean, even back to last summer, it was pretty clear. He was going to be the top of the free agent leaderboard. Him, guys like Blake Griffin, pretty much those were the guys who might move, kind of some of the biggest names. When did you first start hearing, like, Celtics chatter, right? Because there's a story, I'm sure, you, when did you even start working on it? Probably six months before he made a decision, right? Not that long. When, um, when I was covering the playoff, the Warriors-Jazz, mm -hmm. I was hearing from people in the arena, people well plugged in, like, this is the last that Jazz has seen of Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Like, the Warriors had just sweeped them you yeah. know, on their own court. And it was like, keep eye on that. Well, like, I mean, even that, that game four, when it was Warriors-Jazz, the, the Utah fans acted like it was his last game. No, it was like gave, emotional. Yeah, they gave him a standing ovation. Yeah. It, it was like, um, it was as if they knew yeah. like he was gone. Yeah. And so, and I, like I said, I was hearing, that's when I first started hearing, like, man, it was real. I, I've always heard, like, rumors, but when I started hearing from plugged-in people there, I was like, okay, so let me, let me, keep, let me keep an eye out on this. And um, you guys know Mark Bonestein, that's Gordon Hayward's agent. Mm -hmm. great, he's a great guy, man. He's a great guy. He really doesn't let too much leak. He, he tends to break his own news on his Twitter account. Yeah. Um, well, even but as everything was going on, people were like, oh, he's an A-class guy. You know, he's A-1 guy. He's going to, you know, this isn't weird. This isn't like games being played. This is just Mark, you know. But, man, he still, he still is. Like, yeah. But I knew, look, I knew going into this free agency that you aren't getting anything really from Hayward's camp. Yeah. yeah. I had to work some back channels to put myself in position to be able to, you know, to be able to break it. Yeah, and, like, and I, one thing I said to Sharp earlier is that personality-wise – Hayward's kind of on the verge of being this kind of like star player, all-star type guy, but personality-wise, he's not this big magnetic guy, right? Like, during the playoffs, he's up on the podium, he's being bland, he's being boring. This isn't Draymond Green, right? So, again, he's probably not a guy you can necessarily go to and expect to to work as a source either, right? Like, guys like you're in your situation or other reporters are just like, we're not going to get it from him directly. No doubt. You're not getting it from him, and... I'm 90% sure you're not getting it from, from Bartlestein. Right. It's particularly when the whole plan was designed for... It, well, on this one, you could tell. There was like a rollout strategy, and everything had been planned to a T. And then you came through and threw a curveball. Yeah, look, so this is what happened. So I was in Bristol doing Sports Center for like the last five days. And I was just about to board a plane to go back to the Bay. So as I'm aboard, but we're playing that morning. I'm hearing, man, Hayward to Boston, Hayward yeah. to Boston. I even said on Sports Center that morning, I'm hearing that Celtics 
people you know, within the self-organization feel real, pretty good about their chances. So I'm hearing all this. But the afternoon, right as I'm about to you know, get, you know, get to the, the, uh, the airport, I get a call. The call said, he's going to Boston. 100%. 100%. He's going to Boston. I'm like, you sure? He said, Haynes, he's going to Boston. <laughs> this, this, this is a guy that I trust, guy that I've known for years, attacking that on with the other people that I've talked to, yeah. leading up to that. And this is what else he said. He said, you better hurry up because he's probably in the next 30 minutes or probably even any minute is going to publish. Imminent. Yeah. His, his, on, the, on the Players' Tribune. On the tri Tribune. Yeah, so that's a pretty common, too. Like, sometimes people get this, sometimes they don't, right? News will get out right beforehand, and the teams usually are trying to, in, not necessarily in free agency, but with trades, sometimes the teams want to be out there quickly. But mm -hmm. for free agency, because it's kind of the moratorium and all that, the players want to be the first ones to get out there because they want all the clicks. They want all the page views. And in this case, he made a financial deal with the Players' Tribune, correct? Woo, financial deal. I mean, I, I can't, I can't confirm that. Yeah, those, those are some of the rumors. It certainly appears that way. <laughs> I, can't, I can't confirm. All that. Right. So, all right, take me through, because I, I mean, this the news breaking side of journalism I, is foreign to me. So, like, in your, you're in Bristol. You're, did you end up not boarding the flight? I assume. I, I asked, I asked my boss, did I need to stay? Yeah. And initially they was like, no, you're, you're good. Go ahead. We'll take care of this. Then as I'm about to board the plane, I got a call back. Hey, can you stay? And I'm like, I, I'm already a sitter. Like I had, my, I had my oldest daughter with me at the time. And I kind of already told her, look, you can get, you know, she had a, uh, what is it? She had a recital the next day. So I already promised her to go. So no, nah, I boarded the flight. And I had a layover in Chicago. So okay. I was on the flight for two hours. Not knowing what's going on. So you, you didn't have Wi-Fi even? I had it, but I wasn't too interested in uh, checking it out at that time. <laughs> okay, so let's go. Let's, let's go. Had you already broken it? I already oh, broke man, it. Yeah. yeah. So let's go back to the sourcing thing, though. So you had you had the source. It was rock solid. There was no doubt in your mind, right? No doubt. So when you're sending that tweet out, it's like, to you, that's just, word is bond, it's done. Yeah. So how long after you sent that do the people start doubting your credibility or because there was initially reports that were all confirming your report correct yep. Yep. so when did the backlash come the backlash came when um when uh mark Barlstein reached out to certain individuals yeah. to yeah. um refute my story did he reach out to you no he didn't reach out to me did you reach out to him no and i mean we can talk about this later but the next day I did reach out to Barlstein. He picked up, we spoke for about five or six minutes. I told him that I'm, the only thing I'm gonna apologize to you about is that I probably should have called you to let you know I was that dropping was coming, this. Yeah. I wasn't going to not report it. Yeah. It was going out. Yeah. Like I trusted it, it didn't matter what he said, but I think from my experiences with him, he's always been fair to me. Yeah. I felt like I at least owed him a heads up. 
But at the same time, you felt like you were on the clock, right? Like that, that's true. If, if you're I, I calling felt, yeah. him, somebody else is tweeting yeah, the same news that, potentially, right? Exactly. Yeah. Everybody, you know, everybody is on to this story. This is yeah. arguably the biggest story. It was. Nation. It was the biggest story of the summer. Yeah, you can make you, know, you can make an argument. So, yeah, that I was up against it right there. That's that's why I went with it when I had it. All right. So then you get off the plane in Chicago. Check your mentions. Your phone uh, is probably just melting blowing, blowing from, from up, the heat coming from Boston. Up. I'm seeing all these mentions about. <laughs> You know, leave the scoops to somebody else. Uh, well, you hack, you, you premature. He hasn't. What you gotta say about such and such reporting that you're wrong? And you know, you got you got people in the industry that got these blue check marks, man. That's going taking it was, shots. It was at crazy. You. Yeah, man. Well, I wish they would have. Well, let me. My face with that bull, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, you got those. You got those people, and I'm like, I have my Hulk Hogan. You know, yeah. earshot picture ready. You had it ready. Cocked and loaded. <laughs> so it was, on, it was loaded. on deck. Huh? It was on deck. <laughs> okay. In the draft. But let me ask you though, at at was there any point? Because there was a, a couple minutes where I was just sitting there scrolling through things, and there were reports that like. Now Gordon is rethinking everything. <laughs> this well, has yeah. changed things. Well, let me let me say too did because you, did any of that whole part of it? Because well, because as it was unfolding, I'm sitting there like, and you know, I I consider you a friend, and I'm thinking, I really hope something doesn't go sideways on this story because now Chris is hanging out to dry, right? Did you ever feel that fear? The only thing that I felt a little nervous about was the fact that, I man, I'm like, damn, is this is my report? going to cause this guy to change his whole plan? <laughs> like, is it, am I that powerful? Is it that powerful for him to go say, you know what? Forget Boston. Let's just stay another four or five years. Think, thanks, th- Utah. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, like, I, but I was calling my guys, like yeah. my sources. I was like, look, man, I'm on the rotisserie out here. Like, yeah. y'all, you sure? It was like, dude, you just got to take the heat. Yeah. You just got to take the heat. But you're going, to, you're, tight, going, yeah, yeah. you're going to come out all right. And so all that stuff reports about this guy rethinking and all that crap, man. No, I didn't believe none of that. Well, okay, well, well, I got one more question. And, on that. and it wasn't true. So, and I know this is like sort of dicey territory, but part of the issue, I think, why people were coming at you was because ESPN, Chris Haynes reports, it's done. ESPN, somebody else reports, Barterstein says it's not done. Uh-huh. So you're at this situation where you get the same company, theoretically, with uh, two reports that are contradictory. And so that pits you against one of your coworkers, or it makes ESPN look, I don't know, disjointed or disorganized or something. I mean, what's your view on, on that side of it? See, now, the thing is, I, I, didn't, I don't know how ESPN felt about it. I, my thing was, it didn't matter who was reporting anything contrary to what I was reporting. It didn't right. matter who it was. Yeah. I felt confident with my sources. Yeah. I felt confident with people I spoke with. I trusted my reporting. I left my tweet up there. I didn't change. My whole thing was I'm not going out there on Twitter fighting with everybody. And yeah. That was coming. definitely the right way. Yeah, to I'm fight. not doing that, man. Like I'm, I'm gonna see. I didn't know the thing. The thing I didn't know was like, is his camp going to now hold off another day? Yeah. yeah. To pull off the illusion that they're still they, thinking. They never yeah, made yeah, a decision. Yeah, they never made a decision. That was my only little concern. I'm like, damn, I gotta wait this out another another day. But aside from that, man, it really didn't care who was saying otherwise, man. I felt good about my thing, and I was um, I was sticking to it. Well, so I we've only known each other for about 15 minutes. That's cool. We I, found lo- it. I like <laughs> you. I like you. I'm glad you got it right. He already but, likes you more than he likes me. <laughs> yeah. I've had enough of Gulliver this season. I'm ready for some new new blood. But can you can you 
recognize how hilarious it would have been if your report had single-handedly changed Gordon Hayward's mind but, <laughs> and, no. and had screwed the Celtics out of a free agent. Well, out. Because I was sitting there being like, holy shit, this guy really might do it. And I saw some tweets of Celtic fans hitting me up. Like, dude, you bet not had hit this too soon, and now it's going back to, to um, Utah. But you know what? I was like, guys, I was like, um, I felt like, look, I don't work for Bartlestein. I don't work yeah. for Hayward. I don't work for neither either of the three teams yeah. that was in the contention. My That's my job, man, to report, man. And, and the thing about it is when – if you're getting information from the agent, right. getting it from Gordon Hayward, then when you put it out, or the team, then when you put it out, you're not going to receive any type of backlash. Because yeah. they expect it to go out. Because yeah. yeah. they know. I didn't and, get it from any of those. And sometimes guys will hand you stuff. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I didn't get it from any, anyone. Remember I said, Bartlestein, it's really difficult to break a Bartlestein uh, transaction. So I prepared myself ahead of time to get myself penetrate some other key guys yeah. that are in the know. Mm-hmm. And so I knew if I was able to get the word from key people that I trust, that if I put it out, it probably will come with some backlash. And I was prepared to do that because I knew some people might try to, yeah. you know, do what they did. So let me ask you this. When you see all these confirmations, come out right after your report. I thought it was over. And then you start to see everybody <laughs> run backwards. They're doing the rewind. They're doing the rewind dance so, and they're saying, oh, no, no, we're yeah. taking it all back. Yeah. And what, so from your perspective, did those other people independently report the story, do you think, accurately with their own sources or do you feel like sometimes people are just jumping just to jump and say, hey, we got it too? Look, I, I honestly don't know, Ben, and it would be unfair to me to say that they did this, but what I will say is if you're reporting something initially, and even if you're confirming, you're reporting. Yeah. If you trust that source, that individual, you stick with it, period. You stick with it. Even if the agent or somebody is coming and saying something otherwise, you report what they're saying, you document it, because now they're a, they are a part of the news, but you stick by your reporting. I don't think some stuck by their reporting. And so it doesn't look like they really trusted their source or it looks like they really didn't have a source. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They're the people that look the worst in it, though, to me, because it's either if you if you get it, if you're reporting it, stick by it until it gets proven That's 100% it. wrong. That's it. Yeah. Take, take the heat. I mean, Sam Amick, he's stuck in it. Yeah. I think Zach, Zach Lowe, Zach, yeah, Zach he's stuck, stuck in, in it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Were we nervous as hell? Probably so. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we stuck with it. We trusted it. And, and that, that was it, man. So it was, man, that was. And that so you're was just sitting in a Chicago life. airport through my. I'm so, okay, so check it out. So I followed the Tribune, the, the, the Players' Tribune. I follow okay. Put them on instant notification. <laughs> You're they, ready. They I, had my ready. I had my holster picture ready. <laughs> so as soon as I saw it, so the, I saw it, I saw the instant notification, and it said, thank you, Utah. That, that was the headline. Yeah. I still don't know what that means. Thank you, Utah. It means going back. So I hurry up, quick, quick, go into it. Forget all the blah, 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 because he left the real important stuff way at the bottom. He yeah. buried the yeah, lead. Yeah. So I'm skimming, like skimming. Hurry up. 
boom, I'm going to Boston. Boom, okay, hurry up and get to that picture. Find that picture. No caption needed. Tweet. Bam. Was that your single most retweeted Bam. thing ever? <laughs> Number one tweet in your life? Nah, I mean, that Gordon Hayward tweet. Yeah, so Hayward, Hayward was one, and then the wrestling no, was two? I had some other ones past that, but I didn't expect That's that picture. That's a great 4th of July, man. No, I didn't expect that picture to blow up like that, man. That just shows you how many people were following... That's right, the thing so that, is, that's you're a character my, in it. That's, yeah. my, that's my next question is, over the last few years, there's been like this mythology surrounding scoops on like, the NBA yeah. internet. Yeah. Like, you see it now, like anytime Shams reports something, people are in his mentions with like photoshops of him dunking on Woj and yeah. shit. And like, <laughs> so is this weird to you to be part of that world? Like, you, you're always taught like- I'm just not sure how this started. <laughs> a part of that world i mean you're always taught you know not to be a part of the news yeah but it's like it's it's kind of you know it's, it's going to happen like they, they do look at us as characters you know in this in this in these episodes and so look man i i i've understood i've understood i understood that before i hit sin that I had the potential to take, but another thing, you know, guys, about news breaking too. Like, there's a lot of guys in our business who have the information. Yeah, they got it. But there's another thing to have the balls to go out there and yeah. press that send button. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it takes you got to be willing to take some heat sometimes. Like sometimes, because if you you break the story, somebody's not going to be happy. Yeah. Either it's going to be the team side, it may be the player side, it may be the family. You're going to take heat from somewhere. You gotta be willing to put yourself out there and take it. Yeah. So, do you enjoy the drama of it? Hell yeah! <laughs> because I mean, you, you like getting yelled at too, hell right? Yeah, man. Like, man, for sure, man. I'm, look, I'm petty as hell. Like I went back and Draymond I was, over here. Man, I, I went back and I'm liking all those tweets that people were saying. <laughs> oh, you didn't scoop nothing. You ain't got nothing. Leave the scoop yeah, to somebody I mean, else. People man, were getting really look, personal look at my likes. With it. Look at my likes. I'm going back, um, liking their tweets, letting them know I'm, I, 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 hey, I'm petty. I go to search, I go to Twitter search, I put my name in, I'm seeing what y'all talking about. You're talking that BS, I'm liking it to let you know I'm watching. Media, some of you media members taking those shots, do it to me, do it to me in my face. Talk to me in my face about it. This it's, is great. You you know, got, so he's got a hit list, everyone. Nah, man, nah, it was know, a triumph. Because you know what? The, the, my, my, the thing about this, the thing about it was, it's like, if this was somebody else reported that, yeah. would they have taken that heat? Well, I wanted to ask yeah. you. I wanted to ask you about that because there are certain guys who it seems like un, they're unquestioned no matter what. And I think in that situation, had all the confirming reports stuck, you're not getting any of that here. So it was just an unusual situation. But I don't know if you saw Jabari from San Antonio. He tweeted out recently. He said something along the lines of, "There are certain front offices, coaches, or people in the league who don't want to talk to black reporters." Do you feel that is true? Number one, and then do you feel that? Some of the credibility questions that people throw your way, they're doing it because of that, because of race. Because of race. I, I don't know if it's because of race. Look, we got we got a guy in this industry who's you can't touch. Yeah. That's Woj. You can't touch him. He's the best in our business, probably the best that this business has ever seen. So am I on his level? No, I'm not. Am I going to get mine? Hell yeah. Am I going to stop trying to get mine? Hell no. So, 
when you come when you come at me like that, I, I do got a question like why? Because I think my track record speaks for itself. Yeah. I think I've been pretty consistent over my news breaking. Why am I getting hit with all these, you know, you know, profanity lace tirades on Twitter? Oh, it, it got kind of ugly for yeah, an hour or two. It, there. It, was, yeah. it was some straight bulls. But to Jabari's point, look, man, look, I love I love the people in this league. I got great friends, great sources in this league of all color. Is race a factor in some of it? Yes, it is. Does Jabari have a point with some of it? Yes, he does. Um, you know, we don't make any less calls or try any less hard than anybody else out there. And so, to, to a certain extent, he does have a point. But I was, I'm a grinder, man. Yeah. And even if the odds are stacked against me, I'm going to keep grinding. And that's just my, that's just been my motto, man. Am, am I going to break the amount of stories of regularity like, you know, some of the top guys we have? No. Do I feel like I'm one of the top guys in the league? Yes, I do. Yeah, do you think, I mean, because reading you, you've done more than just break stories. So it, that's not like strictly your yeah. lane. Yeah. So that's, that's your favorite thing, though. It's fun. I mean, I get a high. I get a high. I ain't never took drugs before, but I would imagine that's what drugs feel like. It's like once you get that high, but then the next thing is like, okay, you break the Gordon Hayward. Now it's like, what's the next one? Yeah. You're only as relevant as your your, your latest. Yeah. Now you're hooked. Yeah. It's like boom, boom, man. But I, this no. is your entry into yeah. weird Photoshop shams Twitter. <laughs> well, let, let me ask you this: because, like, as you're sitting there stressed out, and I I joked to you yesterday, it's like, hold on, I, I wouldn't say stressed out, Ben. Okay, just I wouldn't say stressed out. It was um. You were just anxious. Yeah, you were anxious because you want to get it over with. Yeah, you want to yeah. get it over. Like, when are they going to do it? Are they going to yeah. wait till the next day? Because the longer it plays out, the longer this episode is, and then you know. Well, so that's, that's the thing. The longer they waited, the more they could make it look like the decision, the decision hadn't been made. Yeah. And I will which say, would be really. Obnoxious. I will say this: if I'm on the other end, if I'm on that camp, I'm making them wait. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I thought that was going to be the case, but at the same time. I don't know if they have a job to be respectful for the other guys, but there's other guys, players, camps that's waiting for there's this domino to fall. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they need this domino to fall so they can move on. So yeah. it was kind of put a halt to free agency for a minute. So I think when DeAndre did his back and forth a couple years ago, there was this whole thing of like, okay, guys will change their minds. And some of the reporting that came out right after with Hayward was like, oh, he's just changed his mind five times in the same day. When you hear that, and you know like the amount of money that's at stake here, the length of the contract, how big of a star he is, and how long these guys have been preparing for this whole thing, you know, and the the whispers you had already been hearing, what did you make of those reports of like, oh, he's changing his mind? I mean, I, I didn't take man, it, it wasn't reality to me, yeah. like for real, like I didn't. All these things were surfacing after the fact, after my report, and uh, I just man, to me, it was it was bull. Yeah. So, like I said. I said it on SportsCenter that morning. I'm hearing Boston Celtics feel really good about their chances of getting him. So I was already trying to let the public know that, look, it might be leaning this way. And then Boston later, he, Jody, Jody in um, Utah did an excellent story. Yeah, he did. With Boston. And um, Boston kind of revealed to him that the morning of 4th of July, he was leaning. Yeah, yeah, he was le leaning. Yeah, and so I... It added up. Yeah, it added up. Yeah. And so I don't get the back and forth, blah, blah, blah. You know, once I just needed one more, I talked to numerous people, I needed one more clear-cut source, and that call came in that afternoon, and I went with it. Okay, so here, I'm, I'm going to get up on my high horse, because I'm kind of anti-Players <laughs> Tribune. 
I'm not, I'm not a big fan of how they do this. I mean, it seems like you're kind of making a deal with the devil with them where your, your decision to how you look gets tied up in their production, and, and they're a relatively new organization. So with KD, the letter comes out. It's not super in detail, and people in Oklahoma City feel burned. Yes, they were going to feel burned anyways because he's leaving, but they don't really get that message that they wanted. The Utah fans are also sad and kind of feeling burned, but Hayward clearly put a lot of time into what his message was going to be to them. I mean, yeah. as you said, he buried the news halfway through this long essay about how much he loves them. And so, again, both times the Players' Tribune is kind of in the middle of this and maybe not helping the athletes in the way that the athletes would hope they would be. I guess what I'm saying is, I mean, you know a lot of agents and sort of what goes through their thought process in terms of breaking news. If you had to, if you were an agent or if you were giving advice to one of these, you know, bigger athletes, would, how would you tell them to break their news in this kind of a situation? Like, are, are they helping themselves with the Players' Tribune? Or what would be the best way to do this if you're talking about a star player with a real big announcement? <sighs> That's a good question. Look, obviously, I think a lot of... They should just give it to you, right? <laughs> Text me. Oh, easy, God. easy. You can tweet out yourself. Dumb I'll, question. I'll take it. I'll take it. No, I mean, I, I'm conflicted on that, Ben, because I get why they go to the Tribune and they want to tell their story, but they can't they, they can do it through media. And also, you, you mentioned it, there is this stigma of... Uh, the Players Tribune paying players yeah. to yeah. do this. So, it, are they really sincere in going to the Tribune because they felt like that gives them the best platform to get their message across in a genuine way? Or are they doing it because they feel they can do that and get paid? Yeah. So, I don't know. And like I said, I don't have any confirmed facts, but I've heard I've heard that stuff on the, on the pay-in aspect. But, man, I, I don't know, Ben. Look, look I think in the for, for us as reporters, obviously, we'll like to get the stories and, yeah. and do that, but I, what, I, I'm kind of conflicted on it. What bugs me, because I'm, I'm like half, half writer, half fan, and so I look at it and it just doesn't feel as credible when, when it's a first-person Players' Tribune essay. And uh, I mean, it's no shots at them. They do a good job at like, what they do. But I, my eyes kind of glaze over when they, like, I would prefer, like, a Q&A or something. Yeah, well, yeah, if, if, if we knew for 100% sure that they are writing this on their own. Yeah, exactly. they thought, and we it, don't know. And, and first of all, it's not. They're not. They're not. <laughs> yeah. Let me put that out there. They're not. <laughs> Quit being misled, people. That's not the case. Yeah. But if we knew for sure, like a Q&A or something like that, or yeah. a Q&A to where... Because now you can do a Q&A and have somebody else ghost writing your tweets. Yeah. Right. Like a visual. Facebook Live something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Un uninterrupted. Uninterrupted, yeah. yeah doing, you know, something like that. That's when you know, okay, this dude's genuine. He's coming out from the heart. Yeah. But look, I don't blame. The thing is, I don't blame Hayward. Like, he's not at fault here to me. I know Ben's been hard on Ben's, but I, 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 heard, his, I heard his bad pod. He said this is worse than DeAndre. I disagree with that. I couldn't believe he said I totally that. disagree with that. Like, he can't control the leak. The yeah. leak came out. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I can't blame him He was him in a tough spot. He's in a tough spot. at that point, like, he was in a no-win situation. Utah was pissed off. Celtics. I can't blame him. One thing, I feel for Jazz fans because my report goes out, Jazz fans are crushed. Right. The agent comes out later on, talks to every media member. Gets their hopes up. Gets their hopes up. Now, okay, he's not done. Chris, you effing liar, you blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then four hours later, in 2,100 words, now they got to see that is back to, yeah. you know, back to square one. And so they was crushed twice in a four or five hour span. 
So I feel for them. Yeah, that's why I thought it was worse, to be honest. But we don't need to relitigate that part. Here's my question for you, because what, who you're coming down on, I hear, is the people, the media people who are taking shots at you, who theoretically are your competitors. And in real time, they're basically criticizing you for not necessarily having made a mistake. Like, you didn't necessarily do anything wrong until they refute your report, yeah. like actually come out and say you were lying or whatever. You didn't do anything wrong. For those people, I guess... Give me your message to them in terms of like what do you what are you trying to say to them? I mean, do they and also do you think that agents, players, and other people within the industry see what they're doing and look down on it in the same way that you do? In other words, do you think your sources are seeing people take shots at you and being like, "Well, I'm ne- I'm never going to work with this guy. This is a kind of unethical or across the lines." I don't know if I don't know if it gets to that point because this is this is this has been going on in our business forever. Okay. Uh, me personally, I only could speak from my own personal step. I, I, I don't do it. Period. Yeah. I don't do it. Um, unless you have information that contradicts it or something like that. Right? Unless, unless, yeah, unless they have. Yeah, unless you have that. But but you know, a lot of these reporters felt they did have the information. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? So they, they felt that. So that, that, that's fine. But I like look, man. It's, it's going to come to light regardless. You know. So I'm not. I'm not. My thing is breaking stories. Last question before I, I want to talk about your time with the, the Warriors for a few minutes. But uh, how how long did it take you before you could weed out bullshit from sources? Like, because I feel like you yeah. probably hear a lot of sort of half baked stuff. And like, had Barlstein reached out to you, he would have been saying, "No, no, no, we're we're yeah." Because by the way, be Chris, just hours. to let you know. The, the banana boat is going to San Antonio next year. I'm trying to speak it into existence like LeVar Ball. I want, I want LeBron in San Antonio. I want Chris Paul in San Antonio. I want D. Wade, and I want Melo. All of them. They're all going there. Just FYI. That's a league source telling you that. So, like, what percentage of stuff do you hear where you have to be like, nope, not going to put much stock in that? Well, not so much now. Okay. Uh, when, you st- when you first starting off, People throw everything at you yeah. because they want to see what, you know, just throw it, at, throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. And I did, you know, when you're so aggressive and you're trying to get to know people, you do take some stuff. And I made some mistakes early on. I think a lot of people have because you got to build that trust and see what people are about, see what the motives are. Not to this point now because, you know, especially now I'm at ESPN, like it's going to, whatever our report is going to blow up big. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and I'm at the point now, like, Check this out. I'm going to throw this out. So I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to say it. <laughs> I was, I Take was your time. We're, yeah. We both lean forward simultaneously. <laughs> so I was promised this story. No, no, no. I was promised this story, and I didn't get it, right? And so the person that promised me this story heard me say something that was kind of critical of his client. And that, remember, that person didn't call me for two weeks. Didn't answer my phone calls, nothing. Yeah. I said something critical about this person on air somewhere. And immediately, within two minutes of me saying this on air, remember, I said this critical. I wasn't, it wasn't taking a shot. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to get paid back. But within two minutes, that person hits me up. What are you doing? It's like that now? Yeah. My immediate response was, oh, you calling me now? <laughs> now you want to hit me up? Yeah. Now you can get in touch with me now? 
yeah. there's a lot of trade-offs, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're constantly making these mental trade-offs, right? Where it's like, you can either be honest or you can have the news. And it seems to me like in your situation, like there's probably times where like you're reporting a deal that probably in your heart you think this is not a good deal for the team, right? Or yeah. like maybe this player is like they settled for money, like either way. But you're in a situation where you can't come out and give your opinion on You can't editorialize on that contract because you're reporting the news of that contract. Correct. And if you did, you wouldn't get that client's or that uh, agent's next offer or ne- yeah. next deal, right? But we, when you go on like radio interviews, podcasts, and on TV, they do ask you for your analysis on certain things. And that's when you can step into analyst mode. And but you so, have to be careful, though. Yeah, you got to be careful. Because people are always listening. I think that's the yeah. point of your story. Is yeah. like There's people out there who are sort of like, well... You know, Chris does wrong by me. I, there's some other reporter I can feed the next time around. And, and, so and any, anyone listening to this podcast, just go back through like 20 hours of Chris Haynes' takes for the last going, three months, trying to decode who we're talking about. I mean, that, that's it, but you know, just don't, I'm at to the point, man, I ain't trying to like, don't lie to me, man. Like yeah. people know, like you can either tell, you gotta tell me like, look, Chris, sorry, I wanna help you, but I can't. I'm sorry, you gotta go somewhere else. Fine, I'll move on. But when you mislead me, yeah. or when you lie to me, we got a problem. Yeah, we got a problem because I'm going out there on air, or on Twitter or whatever. Exactly. And yeah. I'm saying this, you making me look bad. Yeah. And I know we ain't, we're not supposed to be revealing our sources and yeah. everything. But I'm telling you right now, man, you lie to me, put me out the shadow. <laughs> I might reveal you. <laughs> That's a threat. Exactly. That's a threat straight from Chris B. Haynes on the Open Floor Podcast. This is great. Yeah. Hey, Chris, you mentioned getting things wrong before I maybe you don't want to talk about specifics but give us an idea of like how somebody can try to manipulate a reporter I mean this is obviously sort of like inside baseball you know kind of backstory type stuff but give, give us an example of where someone might like what what are they throwing at you or why might they throw something that's incorrect at you uh, just you know obviously what like their goal probably is to get you to tweet it so it's on hoops hype so everybody sees yeah, it right exactly an example may be say, say there's an intense, intense negotiations right and they may they may lead to a reporter, a young reporter. Hey, say this guy is about to meet with this such and such team. Yeah. Hoping that maybe the team that they really want to go to is saying like, damn, we can't let them meet with that guy. Let's lock them up. Yeah. Yeah. When they probably really know real intentions of meeting with that team, stuff things like that. Yeah. And then the team that you put out there. They're saying that they're going to meet. They're like hitting you up like, hold on, man. We, we ain't got no schedule meeting with this dude. We, we have no idea who yeah, this we, guy what is. Talking about? Like, well, we, he's not even on our radar. It's not on the agenda. And that hurts your credibility. Yeah. yeah. That hurts your credibility. And, wh- and, and while you may be doing somebody a favor, and you may not be think you're doing them a favor, you think that's the gospel. Yeah. yeah. You're hurting yourself internally with everybody else. Well, that's one of the reasons the offseason has gotten so entertaining over the last like couple years is because – for smart basketball fans who actually pay attention to this, you can kind of read what's what's being leaked and like maybe maybe they're leaking so that this team does this, this team does that. It's it's like a movie and shit. Like they're basically like yeah, you can throw fa- that information out there. You can kind of like fact check and corroborate almost in real time. And so I think I don't know maybe you would agree or not, but do you think it's gotten cleaner actually in the last couple of years just because? It's almost like a machine where some of the the kinks have gotten worked out, or no? Cleaner as as it what? Like what? less BS. I mean, maybe, part, maybe partly because you've kind of moved up the ladder, but do you th- or do you think it's gotten crazier because there's more people out there throwing more crazy stuff? No, out I, no, I definitely in that regard. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it definitely has gotten a little cleaner. Um, 
You know, a lot of those just antics just don't work, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, that's really... You can fool somebody once. Yeah, I mean, and it, then you, people can see right through it. Like, they can see, like, you're being used. And that's the whole thing. Like, young reporters get used a lot because they're willing to just throw things out there to try to get their name on Hoops Hype or ESPN or whatever. And um, sometimes it may be accurate. Yeah. Sometimes, you know. Well, and a lot of times, like, if you're a 24-year-old reporter and a person from an NBA team is texting you, you're like, well, this is official. This is an exclusive. Yeah. I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> like, yeah. It's harder. You kind of have to learn how to read things a little bit. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to put this out there. <laughs> I'm going to put this out there. <laughs> Neil O'Shea uh-huh. with the Blazers. That was out. He, Neil came on when I was probably in my second year. Uh, in the business, I was a loose cannon. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was a loose cannon. Like you were pretty aggressive. I was. I was aggressive. Neil was like, "Hold on, man. Hold on, man. Like, dude, you're wrong here. This is not accurate, dude. You gotta get this right. You can't just be putting blah blah blah." Me and Neil would get. At it. Me and Neil would get it. Like me and him would go toe to toe during the two or three years I was there. And it was tough because for people who don't know, you're working for the TV station that's officially for the Blazers. So, like, you're not employed by the Blazers, but there's an indirect relationship there where, like, they have expectations that you're a partner, not an outside media member. Correct, correct. And and then the truth about it was, like, he was right. I was wrong on some things. Like, some things I was just, you know, the old regime regime didn't do checks and balances like that. Right. You know, Neil held you accountable. And that's one thing I respected about him. Like, we fought. We had it. We had at it. But he let you know, man, like, yeah, I'm watching. Like, let's get it right. I don't mind you. And that's one thing I will respect about him. Like, he didn't mind me breaking stories or getting it out there. But let's make sure it's accurate. Let's make sure it's legit. So he really helped me, like, hone in and zero in on, like, okay, don't get used from over here. Yeah. Like, let's be... Have a filter. Yeah, have a filter. Have a filter. Don't do that. And that's what I think from that point on, that's when my career started to take off. Now, I'm under that umbrella, that Comcast Blazer umbrella. I still felt like there were some things that I just couldn't report. Yeah, yeah. Even though it was accurate. That's why I felt like I had to expand my wings, move out. And, and But that was good. But Neil, like I said, we went back and forth at it, man. We used to... We used to have some heated, some heated arguments, man, like real talk, and he'll tell you. Now, I never told anybody that, but one thing he did was hold me accountable, and that helped me through my career. Oh, I can tell everybody. I've gotten some angry text messages from, from Chris venting after his 15-round bouts with Neil Olshay. Yeah. Well, so you talk about spreading your wings. Uh, I mean, what was it like being with the Warriors this year? This was this was your first year. Yeah, well, Golden State. Compare it to Cleveland too, because like you saw a title in Cleveland and a title in Golden State. So. Yeah, people think it was LeBron that led them to a title, or KD that led the Warriors to a title. It was you. <laughs> Come on, look at the common denominator, man. But um, it, it was different. Like Cleveland was a, a special thing to cover because that was LeBron coming back. Yeah. The parade was just crazy. I mean, it, was it was one like, of the craziest stories I've ever it, seen. It, it was it was ridiculous. I mean, coming back from three one, how yeah. that, man, it was it was ridiculous, man. Like, and being able to document every single thing, it was um, that was pretty special. That was a special moment in my career. And if I didn't take that jump to go to cover the Cavaliers, because I love Portland, I love it, but I was in a bubble. 
Yeah. You know, I was breaking league-wide stuff in Portland. You were Gordon Hayward, man. You had to get up to <laughs> you had to you had to get up to a platform. We understand, oh, man. And we know but, how it goes. You know, I had to expand a little bit, man. And uh, that, if if I didn't go to Cleveland, I'm probably not at ESPN right yeah. now. And then that's what opened the door for ESPN to see me. Because now the stories you're breaking, Cleveland-related, LeBron-related, is showing up on ESPN. And that's what, that was my thing. I wanted, I wanted to make ESPN credit me right. as much as possible on the bottom line, and on, on their talk shows, as much as possible to get to a point where, like, damn, why we, why we keep crediting this dude? Why he ain't on our salary? And we can yeah. just, that's what I wanted to do. And when I, and when I interviewed with him, I was like, man, I was trying to make life hell for you guys. And <laughs> it was like, you did to a certain extent. We got to give it to you. And so that helped me. And then we going, going to Golden State, I just realized there was different ways of championship teams going about handling their business. LeBron in Cleveland likes to have all of his players hang out off the court, like yeah. all together at once, like at one. Whether it's dinners, bowling, whatever. That's how he felt. You know, that's how he felt, you know, uh, that's the best way he felt of getting the best out of his teammates on and off the court. Go to state, there's a bunch of cliques. Right. And they go they go about things differently. And obviously they have success in doing it. So that's two things that I've seen of different contrasts that, that still equals to success. Is Draymond the best athlete you've ever covered? <laughs> <laughs> Just period. He, he is the man. God, I told Dre that, like, dude, you are gold. Like, and he, Given, like, the brutal honesty coming from your side of the table on this podcast, yeah. I feel like you guys could probably, like, connect. But me and Draymond got into it a couple times. Yeah, like, it was we, shocking. Well, that's, no, that's, that's, that's how he expresses his, his love. Me and Draymond got, like, we got into it a couple times, and I love Dre. Let's, let's hear one of the fights. Like, what do you guys argue over? All uh, right, you remember the, um, remember the Utah nightlife story? Oh, uh-huh. yeah, that was a classic. Uh, that was, like, one of the highlights of the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> so they, they got mad at how I framed it and blah, blah, blah. Draymond went at me. was like, um, you know, I'm being a distraction to the team. <laughs> and that's one thing, like, that's one thing I think certain markets don't get. Like, I think certain markets, like, really cuddle to the players, coddle to the players. Yeah. To the fact where the players think that, you know, they, they can't be critical or they can't do something. Like, I don't, man, whatever. I'm going to do me regardless, man. I, I'm going to do me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to BS. Um, but that was a funny story, man. I, I, I thought it was lighthearted. It's awesome. <laughs> I thought it was lighthearted. I didn't think it was a distraction. Clearly it wasn't. They swept them. But, uh, you know, things like that. It's like little things that cause, may cause, I, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I, don't, I don't even consider it controversy, but little things that cause, Headlines that's not strictly on basketball. I think players feel like you're doing them a disservice or something, or, or you're not with them. And what, what what I blame with that, I blame some of the media members who just try to be best friends with all these players all the time. I mean, do, do your job. We're here to do a job, I'm not here to cozy to everybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm struck by how honest some of the Warriors are, considering how many people like cover those guys on a daily basis. Like last summer, I was here and I talked to a reporter. And uh, he said he was going out. He said he was going out and moving out to cover the Warriors. I was like, man, that's a great idea. Then there were like ten or fifteen guys who did that. Yeah. And like, I, I can't imagine being in that bubble. And those guys still talk pretty honestly with you. Like no, they, you they would talk- do one on ones with KD and everybody. Yeah, KD like, was good, man. That was that was. I was surprised. The, the KD, you know, I covered him from afar. 
And you know, you the the, the sound bites you did see was him attacking the media. You know what I mean? Y'all stick to y'all, blah blah blah. You can but, blame me for that one. <laughs> I was going at him at All Star Weekend one time, so that's all my. Is that fault. right? Well, it wasn't. It's always bad. your fault. Man. Yeah. Okay. Hating ass Gulliver, man. <laughs> like, but tire K- can't change its stripes. KD was real, man. Like he was, he was one of the best guys already I've ever covered, man. Damian Lillard, LeBron, KD, Draymond. Iguodala, like Steph, they, they're all like they're CJ, Will Barton. There's guys, man, that's just real genuine, man. And I had a blast covering those guys, man. And the thing about it is, like, it's okay to have a couple verbal squabbles throughout yeah, the season. You're healthy. around them all the time. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. You know, some people take shots at them and don't even come in the locker room. Yeah. I'm coming in the locker room. You know, you go see me. I'm gonna give you the chance to come at me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And I think the Warriors PR does a great job of allowing us to have that verbal combat sometimes. Well, it's also, it's a workplace. So, like, the people you work with, you're going to have disagreements. And if, if, if people aren't bullshitting each other, then, yeah, you're going to get in people's faces every now and then. And that's kind of, that's healthy. I'm just picturing Chris and Draymond, like, fighting over the last sandwich in, like, the work refrigerator or something <laughs> like that. No, but... You're- well, Draymond, is, like, let me tell you about Draymond. Like, all year, Dray got on my clothing. My time all year, and I admit, like I'm not the best dressed person. My wife, she buys all my stuff. And hey, sometimes don't say that. But she, no, she does. Don't throw her under the bus. Well, no, well, she well she does it, but she's not the best in like finding the right fit. If you know what I mean. I'm not co signing so, this. Okay, hey, I know she's gonna listen. You she do an it. unbelievable job picking out Chris's clothes. <laughs> but if there's a if there's something wrong with my shoes, a tire, Draymond's the first to let me know. And he got on me every Just a year. He gets like in front of everybody. He like he like, dude, what are you wearing? What is your sh- your shorts? What what are you doing? Your shirt? You can't wear that shirt with like it was one time. Check this out. KD has a habit like when he when he didn't play, he'll wear a sports coat over a V-neck white T-shirt. Yeah. yeah. And I looked at that. I'm like, man, that's still casual, but it's still professional. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> so I tried that the very next day, right? Walked in the locker room, felt like I'm doing something. Draymond was like, what, dude, what the f- you doing? <laughs> he was like, dude, I'm like, man, this, I said, why are you getting on me? KD wore this the other day. He said, dog, KD had a designer V-neck t-shirt. You can't buy these five, these five shirts for $5 and think you're going to wear that with a, a sports coat. And it was. It was one of those yeah. V-neck shirts. Hang, the hang shirt, you get like five for a dollar. Of course it's a hang shirt. Yeah, hang. It, it's crazy. Oh. And, and so I realized, I learned, like, okay, there's quality to it. Like, there's certain, you can't just do this. And then he was like, Draymond, he was like, look, you're hurting the black culture so bad with your attire. <laughs> he said, look, go to Nordstrom's Rack, because I wear size 15s. And my shoes, being though, my shoes look just hella big when I'm walking. Yeah. Like, it looks hella big for... Only being 6'2". Right. He's like, go to Nordstrom Rack, get you some nice shoes that fit. You can buy some nice, affordable, quality shoes there. Trust me. I went to Nordstrom Rack. He was right. I bought about three three pairs of shoes, some dress shoes, and spruced up my attire. Ever since then, he was like, cool. You cool. He ain't never got on me about that. He'll get on, on some other stuff, but it hasn't been on attire the last couple months. This is amazing because Draymond has a stylist, and you have a stylist, and it's Draymond. I mean, it's just full circle. It works perfect. But the thing is, I get... I benefit from it because he's paying thousands, thousands of stylists. I ain't paying Draymond nothing. You just get the free criticism. I just, free, I just gotta take. I just gotta take the hits. But you strong enough to take the hits and make improvements, and that's what I do. Well, so on this Golden State Warriors thing, and we'll wrap up here pretty soon. But 
how long do you think this is going on? Because we've been over here talking dynasty about them for probably since the finals. When they really solidified it, Katie rose up, took on LeBron, kind of showed he was the guy this year. They bring everybody back. It's like super orderly. You know, it's just like one contract after another, like a machine. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cleveland's over here struggling. Are we going to hire a GM? You know, are we going to pay Chauncey or lowball him? When you kind of compare structurally the Cavaliers to the Warriors, because that's still the two top teams, I think, in the league. What's going to stop the Warriors? Like, do you see this stopping anytime soon, or are we just going to pencil them in for like three more titles? Man, I, I don't know if we—I don't know three more titles, but I think they're—they're going to be the favorites for the next two or three years. Look, KD taking that massive pay cut was to help the Warriors out, and in doing so, a lot of players wouldn't do this, but in doing so, he helped the owners out. They're going to save about twenty million dollars in luxury tax alone by KD yeah. taking that pay cut. Who in the hell does that to help the owners out? Why did he do it? He does it because he wants to keep this thing intact. Yeah. It's like two years from now, whenever when Draymond and Clay become free agents, how can they really go and chase money elsewhere? It's pressure, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Pretty, like for real. Like, how can they go? Like, KD is showing, like, man, I'm all about team, dog. Like, yeah. I'm willing to do what it takes to, you know, keep this thing afloat. We got something special. I remember talking to Draymond about this. He was like, man. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, I want people to talk about us still. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're on the verge of doing that. Yeah, there's also pressure on the ownership too, because those guys gotta cut checks too. They got they gotta cut the checks <laughs> in. And I told I told KD this. I'm like, you know, usually owners will do what's right for themselves. And they look out for themselves. So maybe this is a different group. Maybe they are genuine and they're going to look out after these guys because it's gonna to get to a point where these players' skills decline. Yeah. How would they be treated then? Well, and it's also the the, the luxury tax checks are going to get pretty big. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you're writing a $50 million, $75 million check, I don't see them doing that for more than a year or two before changes are made. Poss- possibly. But, but, yeah, no, possibly, you know, you're probably right. But I've never really seen anybody, you know, players in their 28, 29. Oh, no, it's crazy. They ain't taking pay cuts like that, man. Okay. We're almost out of time, but I, I, I just well, how, how, where are we at? We're right at now? fifty minutes. How many Damn. minutes you got? Okay, yeah, I'm here. Man. Okay, okay, great. Then let's dig into my other favorite topic that I really gotta just uh, probe your mind about, David Blatt. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a flashback to your early Cleveland days. So you're there on the ground, and there's a pretty good beat group there in Cleveland. Great group. And I didn't cover that team at all until the playoffs. So I showed up just in time basically for LeBron's playoff punking of David Blatt uh, when he basically said he chucked David Blatt's play call into the trash can. (laughs) But as soon as I got there, even before that confrontation, I could just sense that everybody did – Blatt just graded on people, right? Can you just explain why – your first impressions of him, how the season was when he was there – and then once they did make the decision to fire him, did it surprise you? I mean, just summarize that Blatt era from your perspective. When, when he first came on, first of all, I like David Blatt. Like, I was probably out of the regular media contingent that followed that team on a day-to-day basis. I'm talking about, you know, Jason Lloyd, Joe Vard, and Dave McMenamin. I was probably the one that liked him the most. Why? He, he was humor, man. Like, he, <laughs> like he was a joke. Like, he, he, he cracked jokes all the time, and... I guess I was the only one that got his humor. Yeah. But, um, I don't think many of the players were laughing. Yeah, no, they, they wasn't feeling him, obviously. But I think he came on, like, it ain't thing. He came on, he wanted people to automatically have this respect and reverence towards him and what he did overseas. 
They wanted you to respect his resume. I remember this when I knew it was like really serious and this guy was probably like, didn't get it. You guys probably remember, we're in San Antonio. I think it's the regular, it, yeah, it was the regular season. After the game, we're asking Black something about championships. He says something, look, look, championships, I've won such and such back home. This is nothing to me. Something like that. And that's when it really hit like, damn, this dude like really thinks what he's done over there is on par with the resume of a Greg Popovich, a Pat Riley, a Phil Jackson. He really thought that. And that's what that's where he didn't connect. So he came off as arrogant. Yeah. He was dismissive. He would cut reporters off, kind of have some snarky retorts back at him. Kind of a know-it-all. Yeah, know-it-all. And it didn't like you didn't have the respect to do that. Popovich, he can do that and right. get away with it because yeah. he has a resume. Yeah. You respect Pop. You respect him as a person and his resume. I think most people respect him as a black as a person. But they didn't respect his resume. So you didn't get the benefit of the doubt. So now you're getting ripped off of every single miscue that you have. And that Chicago series. is <laughs> the best. Oh, that was. <laughs> that was the best. That was unparalleled. I've never seen anything like that. And you can just tell LeBron had it planned. He was because it was unprompted. Walk we didn't ask Brian. Walk me through it. We didn't ask him. I can't really. We, we we asked him about that. Uh, we just asked him about the play, like yeah. about that game this, winner. This was the game and, winner. And instead of him talking about the game winner, the play, he said, "You know what? You know what? Let me tell you. Initially, David Black <laughs> drew it up for somebody else. No, hey, want, no, 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 hold on, no, no. Let me let me walk it back because it's all coming back to me. <laughs> it was like 0.5 tenths of a second left." Yeah. He said, David Black had it designed for me to take the ball out. Yeah. And he said, I scratched it. <laughs> no, scratched. I'm not taking the ball out. I'm taking, I'm, um, I'm going to be the one to take the shot. Screw it. Yeah. And then what happens? He goes out, hits the game winner. I think the play was designed, I can't remember, but I think the play was initially designed for, it was J.R. Smith or Della Vadova, something right. like that. And. I was just thinking, I've never heard of a player come out and say, like... And like you said, it was planned. It was, it was planned. It was, no, we didn't ask him about that. Yeah. Nobody knew about that. Yeah, it was just like, hey, tell us about your great shot, you know? He's like, by the way. <laughs> that, what, he, this, this is what he was saying. This is essentially what he was saying. Do you fools know what he tried to make me do? Tel Aviv Popovich. He tried to have me and me, LeBron James, inbound the ball, which meant 5, 10, and 2, which meant... I'm not going to be the one to take the shot. Yeah. I was like, hell no. Nah. I'm taking that shot. I'm doing this. F what you doing. Yeah. Draw this play. Delhi, you get over here. You get right there. And that's what happened. And the best part about it was that was coming after months of who's the real coach of the Cavs. You know, like. Yeah. It was all that play. And it's just like, eh, the Emperor has no clothes. We're just going to completely undress Black here. My, my whole, Ben, sorry. My whole problem with how that went down and firing them was like, you sh they should have did it in the offseason. Yeah. Period. They should have did it in the offseason. It really didn't make sense at all. They were just like, well, we, they, they, you know, David Griffin, I love Griffin. That's my guy. They was like, ownership felt like the players just weren't sinking in to, to um, Black. First of all, they weren't sinking in to him the first week of the season. Yeah. Like, they didn't have a grasp of him. LeBron James, that team was so talented that they can just go off and – and, you know, went off, you know, get a string of games. They were just hoping, like, kind of drag it out and maybe things will turn around. Everybody will finally kind of meet in the middle. But he never really got their respect, it seemed like. He never because he went at guys wrong. Like, 
we go like you gotta earn LeBron's respect. Yeah. Like LeBron, he this how LeBron is because he did it with me. He, he he's gonna fill you out for a little bit. Yeah. Fill you out, see what you're about, see what your motives about. Test you. Test you out. Yeah. Then once he figures out, he leaves you alone. He ain't gonna mess with you. Yeah. I think to a similar state, he did that with Black. So let me give him a training camp. Let me let me see let me see what's in his mind. Yeah. Let me see if he actually knows what he's talking about. And I think he figured him out and figured out, hey, this guy don't know more than me. Forget it. Yeah, that's all what I've always thought. It's like Blatt coming in thinking that Israel counts for a lot. Like that's one thing when it's the media or fans, you know, trying for the respect. But you think LeBron, if he played in the Israeli league, I mean, what's he going to average? Like 75 points, 20, <laughs> 20 rebounds and like 15 assists. Yeah. Like why would he possibly all, care at all? Yeah. All of this is why he's going to go play for the real Popovich. Yes, exactly. That's Spurs banana. It's all book. building to that. All right, I have one more question for you before we go. You had a big 4th of July, big milestone career-wise. I mean, you were the biggest story in sports for about eight hours. Is there any part of you that looks back with regret and says, man, I could have been in China with Clay Thompson for two weeks? <laughs> you saw him in the club dancing. Saw, you dance, you yeah. could have been in, like t- daily reporting with him. Oh, man. No, I mean, this, sharp, this, this is what I do, man. This is what I do. I mean, you got... To, you got to step your foot in the fire sometimes. And in breaking stories, like I said, sometimes you got to figure out other avenues to penetrate a certain circle. And I did that. And it was worth it, man. I took, cool. some, I took some heat, but it, it was worth it. And uh, the one thing I will say, my, my company stood by me. My boss, Mary Burns, she was, man, right there with me, man. Like, I appreciate her for that. And she happened to be... She happened was the she was the boss with Sam Amick went through the same thing uh, a couple years ago with Dwight Howard. Yeah, that was the one par- yeah. parallel because Dwight was on a flight exactly. to LA. Exactly, same situation happened. People were feuding it, blah blah blah. And so she, Sam, I talked to Sam about it. She was there for. Her. She was there for me. I appreciate that. I appreciate you know my company sticking by me and. Uh, that was that. It was a wrap. Well, hey, I'm glad it worked out. Thank you for uh, reuniting with Golliver. Yeah, thanks for coming on and telling everybody how, how great I was for your career, helping you out. Uh, no, this was fun, man. Yeah, if there's anything else you want to get off your chest, because you're fired up right now. I mean, people can't see you, but you look like you're ready to go play, and, and you used to play, by the way. I did. Last couple of years, not so much. Gained 20 pounds over the last couple of years. You lost about 20 pounds. I tried, but I never scored on Will Barton on video. That's your highlight of your career, right? It, it used to be. <laughs> until, until, Hayward, <laughs> until you swept Hayward. <laughs> All right, Chris, thanks very much. Uh, guys, check us out, Open Floor Podcast, five-star reviews on iTunes, openfloormail at gmail.com for all your questions. Thanks for hanging out in Las Vegas with us, Chris. We'll talk to you. Appreciate it, guys. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. Another great edition of Open Floor is in the books. Did you know Locked On has a daily podcast for all 30 NBA teams? If you're a Lakers fan, search Locked On Lakers. A Celtics fan, search Locked On Celtics. Warriors fans, search Locked On Warriors. Yes, all 30 NBA teams have a daily bite-sized podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Search on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for Locked On, your favorite team. Or tell your smart speaker to play podcasts Locked On, your favorite team. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.